We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for 9-21-08. And we'll be starting a new teaching today on the subject of the word pharmakia, sorcery and witchcraft. And in essence, we're going to be discussing the foundational meaning of the words pharmacy, pharmacist, and pharmaceutical. Now, we're going to take this into a study on the whole medical profession Really, the pharmaceutical industry, I should say. We're going to look at the roots of the pharmaceutical industry because if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? According to Psalm 11, verse 3. And this is what we're going to be endeavoring to do today. Now, pharmakia is actually a form of the Greek root word, which is where we get our English words, pharmacy, pharmacist, and pharmaceutical. Okay? The word pharmakia. In the New Testament, pharmakia carries it with, with it the idea of sorcery, occultism, and black magic. It is in this sense that Paul used this exact term in Galatians 5.20 as the word witchcraft. Where we, where we read in uh, the works of the flesh in Galatians 5.20, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. So, the word pharmakia is actually translated into the word witchcraft in Galatians 5.20. Uh, Strong's definition of pharmakia is that, number one, the several definitions, the use or administering of drugs. Number two, poisoning. Three, sorcery or magical arts, often found in connection with idolatry and fostered by it. Uh, four, the deceptions and seductions of idolatry. This is, this is the whole context of the word pharmakia. In Vine's expository dictionary, it's listed as the word for sorcery, or pharmacy is what they're saying. English pharmacy is really the word for sorcery. <laughs> so, and then primarily signified the use of medicine, drugs, spells, poisoning, sorcery. It's used in Galatians 5.20. Uh, it's also used in Revelation 9.21, 18.23, Exodus 11, uh, Exodus 7, 11 and 22, Exodus 8, 7 and 18, Isaiah 47, 9 and 12. We're going to be looking at some of those verses because um, we want to look exactly where is pharmakia translated in the Bible. Okay, It's also used uh, in sorcery, the use of drugs, whether simple or potent, was generally accompanied by incantations and appeals to occult powers with the provision of various charms, amulets, etc., now, again, you know, where the Bible talks about fleeing all appearance of evil, well, you know, you, you want to take a, a pretty good look at this because th this is, there's a lot of evil connected with the word pharmakia. Okay? Pharmakia is also used as the word for sorcery in this verse. Acts 8 9. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one. Okay, now, that's Acts 8-9. The word for sorcery there is translated from the word pharmakia. Okay, so Simon, you know, the wizard, he was using sorcery. Now, again, the sorcery probably encompassed the use of mind-altering drugs. Okay, that was probably one of the tenets of the witchcraft he was using. It's no different than it is today. The same thing. It's well known that within witchcraft, one of the main ways that you can open yourself up to the demonic realm is through the use of mind-altering drugs or substances because you're opening doorways, okay? The demons can come in easier. Your inhibitions go down. You will, you will do things that you normally wouldn't do under the influence of mind-altering drugs, right? Well, that's exactly the reason they're so promoted and used within witchcraft. And then in Revelation 9.21, it says, Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. So sorceries, again here, is translated in Revelation 9.21 from the word pharmakia. And then we go to Revelation 18.23. Uh, speaking of the end-time, whorish, satanic city of Babylon, we read, in the, light of the, of, in the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee, and the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall no more be heard at all in thee. For thy merchants were the great men of the earth. For by thy sorceries, pharmakia, were all nations deceived. Now this is one of the main things that the Bible talks about in the end times. That by the sorceries of the great whore 
city of Babylon were all nations deceived. And in that particular vein, the word sorceries is, is translated from the word pharmakia. Now, every time the word witchcraft is translated in the Bible, it's not always pharmakia. It's not always translated from that root word. But in these instances, it was. It used the word pharmakia. And I believe it did so for a reason. That's an interesting point to understand there. What is pharmakia connected with? The administering of drugs, poisoning, sorcery, magical arts, deception, idolatry. But this is a big deal. Exodus 7, 11, and 12 says, Then Pharaoh, also called the wise men and the sorcerers, which is translated from pharmakia, the sorcerers, Now the magicians of Egypt, they did also in like manner with their enchantments, for they cast down every man his rod, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. Okay, so again, that's just, just some background there on this particular word that we can build as a foundation on this teaching. This is an excerpt from an article entitled Church Witchcraft. And goes on to say, The Bible calls witchcraft the spirit of rebellion. But another excellent definition is whatever attempts to exert an unnatural degree or type of influence or control over a person. Consider, for instance, that drugs and alcohol are often used in witchcraft rites. If a driver is drunk or high and the police catches him, what is he charged with? Driving under the influence. Addicts to drugs and alcohol are often said that they are under the control of them. Even in these cartoonish depictions of witches, what are they seen doing? Casting spells to alter someone's natural desired state or to get someone to act in a manner against their own wishes but in accordance with the wit wishes of the witch. Okay, these are just things to go over. Now remember, the Bible says for rebellion as is the sin of witchcraft. Okay, so again, the, this pharmakia and the whole thing is tied in with witchcraft, and rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And it goes on to say, in any event, things like hypnosis and mind control are actual forms of witchcraft. And yes, that includes a lot of what is currently called psychology or psychiatry. You know, psychiatry has the highest suicide rate of any of any doctor profession that there is. What do they deal with? Mind-altering drugs all day long. Oh, you have this problem. I'm going to prescribe you this drug, and it's going to make. It's not going to take the demons away. It's not going to do that. You're 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 trying to do something that only Jesus Christ Himself can do. Okay, and you can't do it. You cannot drug your body into good health. It's impossible. Let's go further. Um, the psychology and psychiatry says trying to get you to either live in agreement. This is what psychology and psychiatry do, try to do. They try to get you to either live in agreement with the demons that are inside you. Or they try to get you to overcome the demons in you and the more stronger demons. That is what those exceedingly powerful anti-psychotic drugs are for. To get bigger and badder demons to suppress your lesser demons. It's an interesting way of looking at things. But there's a lot of validity to what they're saying. Because you're dealing with demonic problems. And you're doing it through mind-altering drugs or pharmakia. How does that make sense from a biblical standpoint? I just, I can't see it. Let me tell you, if it were not the, if you were not crazy before you took that stuff, you'd be crazy afterwards because the demons that are in those antipsychotic drugs attract and will make it so. In other words, they open doorways just like all mind-altering drugs do. Again, you take these, these, um, drugs, this pharmakia, these mind-altering ones in particular, you're gonna open doorways. And you're going to have to deal with worse things. Now, you may feel better for a time. Okay? The bigger demons come into you, and they suppress the littler ones that were giving you problems, and you feel better for a time. But then, the bill comes due, and these, these more powerful demons start to manifest inside you. And now you've got a bigger problem than you ever had them before you started. Okay? Then you have to take more of the same drug to keep suppressing it. Or alter prescriptions, or, you know, it never ends. They all have side effects to boot. But you know how many people in the churches are on these types of drugs? And they think nothing of it? And their pastor says nothing about it? As though, oh, she needs her medications. I don't recall in Jesus' time, or when the apostles were around, or even in the Old Testament, where, there, where it ever says, yes, thou shalt take thy meds to, to make thee well. This is what will heal thy mind. I'm sorry, I don't see that anywhere in the Bible. I don't see any biblical precedence for it. A lot of times people say, yeah, well, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And I immediately think, is there any biblical precedence we see? Is there any biblical precedence where we could go in the New Testament and say, yeah, you know what? They were doing the same thing. I just, I don't see it. But what we do see is this word pharmakia 
translated into the word witchcraft and sorcery, and the Bible continually warning about this. Warning over and over again about this. So, again, are you, are you going to err on the side of safety? So, going back to the article, it says, but when you think about it, the spirit of drug-induced control is rebellion against God's plan. We are supposed to be under God's authority. God is sovereign, and we should have free will to accept God's sovereignty in every area of our life or to reject it. Of course, God has an organizational structure, such as the pastor being the head of the church and the man being the head of the family, but those things are created by God, so God is still in control. Especially if the goodman of the house or the pastor of the church submits himself to God's divine authority in all matters. This next article is from uh, the Crusader magazine. It's entitled, Beware of the Sorcerer's Medicine, by Greg Ciola. And uh, I'll try to make all this available in a PDF format for you in, in the teaching. And it says, Do you find it rather disturbing that approximately 60% of the population is taking at least one pharmaceutical drug every day? 60% of the population taking one pharmaceutical drug every day. Most people wouldn't think anything of it. They just think it's the way it should be. You know, I can drug my body into good health. It is possible. You're, you're putting something in your body on a daily basis that is a controlled poison. All drugs are controlled poisons. You know how I can prove it? Take a whole bottle of whatever you're taking and see what happens. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm saying if you did, most of the time it'll kill you. Even a whole bottle of aspirin will do that. Okay, that's how you know it's a controlled poison. You take a little too much of it, you know, you eat too many bananas, it's not going to kill you. You know, you eat too much health food or whatever, it's not going to kill you. Like a drug will. Some are taking up to 15 to 20 meds every day. And I, and I know that's true. We are, we are told that we are living during a time of the greatest medical breakthroughs in the history of the world. Yet over 100 million Americans suffer from various health problems. Why has such a large majority of the world become dependent on pharmaceutical drugs? If medical science was cracked up to what it claims to be, we should be witnessing medical cures on an unprecedented level. Perhaps you're one of the hundreds of millions of people around the world that's ingesting a daily dose of pharmaceutical medicine. Is it possible that the pharmaceutical medical cartel has disease treatment and not disease cure in mind? See, that's what it's all about. It's about, it's about disease, not really even treatment. It's about really controlling the disease and thus propagating the disease so that they can continue to make profits off the disease. Why is there never a cure for anything ever invented? Why is that? Because if they invented a cure for cancer, and there's multiple cures for cancer, natural ones, but if they invented a cure for cancer, then the oncology field is gone, basically. All it would be is about curing it. Or, or prevention of cancer. If they invented a cure, oh, you know, Jerry's kids, we're gonna, we're gonna get a cure for, for, uh, muscular dystrophy any day. They do that, that stupid telethon every year and they raise all those millions and millions that go straight back into the coffers of the pharmaceutical companies and the medical. They're never gonna, they're never going to invent a cure if it's left up to them. Why? Because it's how they make their living and their money. Pharmaceutical companies are a for-profit venture traded on the public stock market and they're out to make as much money as possible. And the greed is unlike just about any other area on the planet. They make some drugs that they make for pennies and literally sell them into close to $1,000. Some of these profit margins are so obscene. I've, in fact, I should have I should have hit on that. I have hit on that on many of my previous emails. I have a couple different email lists. One's a health and one's a Christian and uh, if you want on either one of them, just email me and let me know. But um, these, the, the profit margins are just unbelievable on most of the drugs that are out there. The unmitigated greed behind them. And then the fact that all drugs have side effects, which either means that you've got to take more of the, of the drug or you've got to take other drugs to counteract these side effects. They're all toxic to the liver. Okay, the liver is the chief site in the body where toxins are broken down. There's two enzyme pathways in the liver, cytochrome P450, phase 1 and phase 2 enzyme pathways. Okay, all drugs gum up that pathway, essentially. They, they kind of shut it down. And when you cannot detoxify poisons out of your body, carcinogenic compounds get into the bloodstream and set you up for cancer. Or who knows what else, autoimmune system processes. It would be like 
it would be like um, you know having an oil filter that was totally gummed up in your car and never replacing it. And that's why I do recommend cleansing, you know, of the liver and the colon and these types of things. We're being bombarded with more chemicals and more things now than we've ever been bombarded with in the history of mankind. It's a proven fact. According to Environmental Protections Agency, we're exposed over, uh, I believe it's over 75,000 chemicals on a daily basis, potentially, potentially. And of those, the vast majority are carcinogenic or cancer-causing. So, these are things that, that, um, are greatly interfering with our bodily processes. And yet, there's very, very little press about it because the people that control the media and the newspapers and these types of things are typically heavily invested or a lot of times sponsored by the pharmaceutical companies in these things. We're going to be taking a really good, in-depth look at the pharmaceutical companies and uh, seeing what they're really, really all about and if they're really about getting you better and getting you well. This goes on to say, in this groundbreaking article, we're going to peel the veneer of lies away from the subject and attempt to expose the pharmaceutical industry for what it really is. This is one of the largest industries in the world with annual sales into the hundreds of billions of dollars. The sad part is, is that it has been around, it is built on the backs of people who are sick, diseased, and dying. In this greedy, power-driven world, er eradicating disease is not on the list of priorities with the medical establishment. See, it's built on the backs of the people that are sick, diseased, and dying. It's not about getting them better. It's about getting them addicted to these medicines and controlling them. And here's what happens. Here's another thing that happens. Get somebody on meds. Let's say they come in and they've got, let's, for example, say, heart problems. Well, let's get them on the litany of meds for the heart problems, okay? And then as they're doing this, all the while, more and more plaque is building up in the arteries until finally that artery goes closed and they have a heart attack or a CVA, Okay, a cardiovascular accident or a stroke or something like that. A piece of plaque breaks off, goes into the brain. Okay, they've got them on all these meds and then what the meds did is they swept the symptoms of the plaquing of the arteries under the rug long enough until they would actually have the heart attack. Now they've got to have surgery because they've swept the symptoms under the rug for so long that now they're a surgical candidate. And that's what the, that's what the meds typically do. They treat symptoms. As though symptoms are something evil. Symptoms are, it's like, oh, my body's so stupid. It's giving me these symptoms. That's how we treat our bodies. Because, hey, I got the symptom and, and I got this chest pain. I'll just take angina or I'll take uh, nitroglycerin to treat the chest pain. The reason the chest pain's there is because your arteries are getting so placked up that you're getting lack of blood flow or oxygen to the heart muscle. Now the heart muscle's starting to ache or cramp. That's why you're getting the chest pains. The nitroglycerin temporarily opens that pathway up, but it doesn't fix anything. What's the solution? Well, the solution for that would be something like the enzyme natokinase, which is an enzyme you can take. It's called a systemic enzyme. You take it on an empty stomach. It actually cleans out the arteries. You can do EDT chelation. Now, I don't even advocate the uh, intravenous kind because it's so expensive. 150 bucks a pop, two-hour session, 30 to 50 sessions. You're looking at four to five to $6,000. Just do the EDTA oral chelation that you can buy online anywhere, and you do a couple capsules under your tongue at night before bed. Do about a 1,000 milligrams a day. Do it with some natokinase. Clean your arteries out that way. Lecithin does that too. Lecithin helps to clean out the arteries. It helps to defat the liver and, and the, uh, the fat or the placking of the arteries. Um, phosphorus does that to a certain extent. It helps to take calcium deposits out of the arteries. There's a lot of different things where you can accomplish this. Now, the medical solution is put them on meds until they have the heart attack, sweep the symptoms under the, under the rug, and then when we'll do the surgery, we'll make thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, and we'll look like we're really smart because we're surgeons, and we can go in there and we can um, put a stint in. It's, it's ridiculous. Think about this. If you've got your arteries placked up, and now I'm, I'm just giving this as one example today, okay? I'm not going to go into every little example. I'm giving this as one example of the fallacy of medicine, okay? You put a stint in after a heart attack. You've got this, all these fatty plaques. They find this one area where it got so bad that the blood flow couldn't even get through. You put a stint, which is a little thing that reroutes the blood, and then the stint's there, and what's going to happen? Well, the same thing's going to happen. You haven't done anything to fix the problem. You've got hundreds of miles of blood vessels in your body, and they're placked up too. 
You've treated one little tiny area. You've done nothing to treat the problem. Now you're back on your meds again, sweeping the symptoms under the rug. What have you done to correct anything? Oh, well, it wasn't that. It was my carotid arteries. I had them go in there and scrape my carotid arteries out. Well, that's that's all well and good. But you know what? What about the other hundreds of miles of blood vessels? Have you fixed the problem? No. The things that I'm talking about that I just mentioned, they actually correct the problem so that you don't need the surgery and you don't need the drugs. Am I saying you're treating them? No, I can't say that. Because you can't say that unless you wear a white coat and and have an MD next to your name. Okay? But if you supply your body with the right tools, it can do amazing things. That's the point I'm trying to make. Okay? God didn't create us with drug deficiencies. Well, I have chronic headaches. That must mean I have a chronic Tylenol deficiency. That's not how God created us. Okay? He didn't create us with drug deficiencies. I don't have any problem with emergency medicine to save a life. Okay? Or sometimes, yes, there's extenuating circumstances and pharmaceuticals may be the only way to control something. Okay? I'm not talking about the extenuating circumstances. I'm talking about 60% of the population being on at least one medication in America. And it's all by design. So if we go further... In this greedy, power-driven world, eradicating disease is not on the list of priorities with the medical establishment. Control of disease is. That is why we have a branch of government called the Center for Disease Control. Notice that it wasn't named the Centers for Disease Cures. Where would all these multinational corporations turn to replace their soaring profits if disease were being cured? How do you think the international stock markets would react if these companies suddenly saw their sales plummet because people no longer required expensive drugs that are driving many to complete poverty? Think about this. The people that own these drug companies, and we're going to look at this in depth, they are as evil of people, or or whatever they are. They are as evil of an organization or people that we have on the planet. Okay, Many of these are absolutely and totally interlinked in with the highest echelons of the Illuminati, the occult, the establishment, the global elite, whatever you want to call them. They're the ones that are producing these things. And you want to entrust them with your health? The very people that want to see you wiped off the planet? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. If pharmaceutical drugs were truly the answer to our medical maladies, where are the success stories? Sure, the media and the medical establishment can zero in on a few remarkable cases. The charade won't work if they didn't at least have that. But in the big picture, modern medicine has been a complete failure. Instead of all the wonderful success stories, we hear about horror stories of medical malpractice, overdosing, terrible side effects, and in some cases even death. Then... But the media doesn't want you to know about these, typically. Just take a walk in any hospital or nursing home to see for yourself what the so-called medical panacea has done. Many of the people in these institutions are like zombies because they're being pumped full of powerful drugs. After visiting one of these establishments, you'll probably question whether these great promises that are held out are really true. Is this what we in the West call medical advancement? Modern medical medicine is ruining more lives than it claims to be helping, and it has turned countless numbers of people into pharmaceutical junkies. Now, I'm going to read this little article that was in the paper here locally this week, and it was entitled... Now, this, is, this was in our paper, so there is some truth out there. This was from uh, September 14th, um, and it was entitled... It's from the Associated Press. Can't accuse me of being biased here. Drug firms get a bitter, pill to, bitter pills to swallow. And in Trenton, New Jersey, just about every every segment of the medical community is piling on... Well, actually, this was written in Trenton, New Jersey, but this applies to all America. Just about every segment of the medical community is piling on the pharmaceutical industry these days, accusing drug makers of deceiving the public, manipulating doctors, and putting profits before patients. Recent articles and editorials in major medical journals blast the industry, medical schools, teaching hospitals, and physician groups are changing the rules to limit the influence of pharmaceutical sales representatives. And three top editors of the prestigious New York Journal of Medicine last month publicly cited against the drug industry in a U.S. Supreme Court case over whether patients harmed by government-approved medicines may still sue the state in courts. Now, even the medical establishment, it's gotten so flagrant, so out of control, even many in the medical establishment are coming against them. 
Okay, now remember, what did I start out this teaching today defining? We define the word pharmakia, which is where we get the root word for pharmacy, uh, pharmaceuticals, and these types of things. If we have defined that root word as being evil and having to do with witchcraft and sorcery, might we expect to see some evil things associated with this very profession? And that's all I see, essentially. Okay, let's go further. The influence that the pharmaceutical companies, the, the for-profits, are having on every aspect of medicine is so blatant now that you'd have to be deaf, blind, and dumb not to see it. Who said that? The Journal of American Medicine Association editor, Dr. Catherine DeAngelis, a longtime industry critic. It's not a chiropractor saying it. <laughs> this, is the, this is the Journal of American Medical Association. Dr. Catherine DeAngelis said this. That she goes on to say, we have just allowed them to take over. And it's our fault, the whole medical community. Manipulation of the studies and the publications by pharmaceutical and medical device industries is either increasing or there has been more exposure of these practices, she wrote. She said, industry influence includes swaying doctors and medical students to their brands with gifts, funding research at top teaching hospitals, but keeping control of the studies and the results. See, so much of the time, if we see the result of a study, it's because it's been bought and paid for by some private pharmaceutical group. And do you think the, the, the study's not going to be biased? <laughs> it has to be biased. They've bought and paid for the study. They're not going to police themselves, that's for sure. So that obviously brings us into the whole conflict of interest. Uh, even taking over the continuing edu- uh, they've even taken over the continuing medical education system for doctors by running courses on new treatments. So you can imagine the pharmaceutical industries uh, offering the doctors what they call their CEUs, their continuing education. Uh, I have to get 40 hours of CEUs every two years to maintain my license here where, where I'm at as a chiropractor. And the medical doctors have to do something very similar. Well, can, you can imagine it's just they're being bombarded. They've got their pharmaceutical sales reps coming in, brainwashing them that way. They've been brainwashed in college, and now they've got their CEUs being sponsored by the pharmaceutical companies. Critics say such courses are taught by company-paid speakers who often promote expensive new drugs over the older, cheaper ones. That's what it's all about. It's always about money. The love of money is the root of all evil, and that has everything to do with what we're talking about today. It is possible that there... Is it possible that there's a darker side to pharmaceutical medicine? I think we've already proved that, but we're going to way more proof it uh, coming up here. Could it be that the pharmaceutical industry represents an ancient priesthood? It practices sorcery and witchcraft on an unwitting populace. Oh, now, now I've crossed the line saying that. Well, we'll see if I've crossed the line. In search of these answers, I spent countless hours doing painstaking research. Now remember, this is Greg Sciola writing this article. Okay, I'm going to be interjecting along the way, but I, I read this and I thought it was very accurate. Search of these answers, I spent countless hours doing painstaking research to get to the bottom of this. What I discovered was truly amazing. The evidence is there for all who are searching for the truth. The first place I began to search for my answers was in the Bible. As a Bible student, I felt that there must be a deeper message relating to this subject. Some of the most shocking and convincing evidence that unlocked what I was looking for came from two words, sorcery and witchcraft, in which the 18th chapter of the book of Revelation, for instance... It deals with the whore of Babylon and her eventual destruction. Verse 23 is what really caught my attention. And again, we, we read this earlier, but it says, For by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. Translated sorceries from the word pharmakia. I thought to myself, that's a pretty interesting statement. What is this passage trying to say? I took out my concordance, looked up the derivation of the word sorcery, and practically fell off my chair when I found out that it comes from the Greek word, pharmakia, the definition of the definition the concordance gives for this word is medication, magic, sorcery, and witchcraft. The very next word in the Greek is pharmakis, which is derived from pharmakion. The word means a drug or spell-giving potion, a druggist, a pharmacist, or a poisoner, a magician, or a sorcerer. You know, it's funny, I drive by, they got this, these new signs on, on, on the Walgreens, I don't know if you've seen those, and it has this little pestle, and this little uh, a pestle and a mortar or something, it's, it's the thing that you take the little, uh, it's like a stone thing, and, and it's this little cup, and you can grind up herbs and stuff like that in it, and it's got these little stars shooting out of the top, like, you've, like you're dealing with magic, and you are, but see, it's all candy coated, it's all this big 
veneer and that we've had, you know, we've literally had the wool pull, pulled over our eyes in regard to this particular subject. The vast majority of business that these places like uh, in America, like Walgreens or CVS Pharmacy, the vast majority of the reasons that their doors are open is not to sell candy bars or cosmetics, it's to sell the drugs. It's the pharmacist in the back. That's what's driving those particular stores. The profit margins are unreal. Then he says, I couldn't believe my eyes. The English words pharmaceutical and pharmacy are both derived from these ancient Greek words. Here is one of the largest industries in the world, and the very name of the industry is derived from the words that mean sorcery, magic, witchcraft, spell-giving potion, or poisoner. Don't you find that astounding? Once I, once I had this key, all the other pieces of the biblical puzzle began to fall in place. Continuing on, I read in the very next verse in Revelation, and my understanding of these scriptures took a whole new meaning now that I knew the correct interpretation of the word sorcery. Revelation 18.24, In her, which is Mystery Babylon, was found the blood of the prophets and of the saints and all that were slain upon the earth. Okay, that's like the next verse here, okay? So, she deceived everybody through her sorceries. And in her was found the blood of the prophets, the saints, and all that were slain upon the earth. So in the full context of this passage, it is saying, For by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. And in her was found the blood of the prophets and of the saints and all that were slain upon the earth. Is there any connection to these slain and the sorceries or the pharmakia of the whore of Babylon? Could these passages be God's way of warning his people of the potential dangers of pharmaceutical medicine? Now, I'm not saying there's not other medicine, uh, there's other pharmacy out there that isn't just as dangerous, like crystal meth or cocaine or these types of things that aren't, let's say, medically produced, okay, in the pharmaceutical industry. Okay, so again, I, let's look at this as a broad picture here. But again, it, it is, it is an interesting parallel here. The Bible warns us to be watchful because Satan comes disguised as an angel of light. Is it possible that the pharmaceutical medicine has been disguised as a great benefit and blessing to mankind, when in reality it may be a poisonous spell-giving potion that has the potential to be harmful and in some cases even fatal? Now again, I'm not going to be so dogmatic as to say every single drug is evil and all that. Do whatever you got to do to save somebody's life. Emergency medicine, somebody's in a car accident or something like that. I'm talking about people that are getting habitually hooked on these drugs, particularly the ones that tend to alter my... I don't, somebody has a, a, a headache once in a while. You know, I'm not going to go crazy over somebody taking an aspirin. But I'm talking about people that are habitually hooked on medications, particularly the ones that are mind-altering. Okay, so let me make that statement as, as well, so I, don't, so I have a little bit of balance with this study here. They go on to say that God will see to it that the truth comes out and that this whore of Babylon who is destroying his people and deceiving the world with her pharmakia will be punished ultimately. The great prophetic book of Isaiah also deals with the great whore of Babylon and the judgment coming upon her. The key words in the following passages are sorceries and enchantments. And it says here um, in Isaiah... 47, 5, 8, 9, Sit thou silent, and get thee into darkness, O daughter of the Chaldeans, or Babylon. For thou shalt no more be called the Lady of Kingdoms. Therefore hear now this, Thou that art given to pleasures, that dwellest carelessly, that saith in thine heart, I am, and none else beside me, I shall not sit as a widow, neither shall I know the loss of children, but these two things shall come upon thee in a moment, in one day. The loss of children in widowhood, and they shall come upon thee in their perfection, in the multitude of thy sorceries, and for the great abundance of thine enchantments. Sorceries and enchantments, okay, are, are integrally related. And the sorceries, again, is deriving from the word pharmakia. Okay, so, this is something that there's a lot of judgment that, that is predestined upon the whore of Babylon, and it seems to be integrally related with pharmakia, which is where we get the derivation for the word sorceries in this context. So, it's an interesting point to think about here. All throughout history, the history of medicine and mind-altering drugs have been an integral part of black magic, witchcraft, and sorcery. There's, there's no debate on that. You know, apparently, through drugs and medicine, the mind and the body can be opened up to demonic influence and even possession. Absolutely. There is... A whole spirit. This is why people, when they started doing experiments on LSD way back with Timothy O'Leary, you know, back in the 60s or whatever, the people that would actually take LSD many times would really see the green little men. 
or they would actually see spiritual entities because they had so opened their subconscious up in their mind up through these mind-altering drugs, that they were actually seeing demonic entities. This is called having your third eye opened in the occult. And there's ways you can accelerate that process. Okay? One of the ways is just take a boatload of LSD. And, and it'll do it for you, you know? And it'll also fry your brain in the process. And, you, and you're going to become demon-possessed. And I mean, don't do it, but I'm just saying that's, that's a way that, that it has been done. <clears throat> there is a whole spiritual world around us that we are not able to see. But again, these drugs, I believe, enable many times for that to happen. They able to actually enable you to see into these other dimensions. Under the right spells cast by witches, magicians, and sorcerers, with the use of drugs, the wall of division between these two dimensions can be broken. And then again, this is why many times you can see into these dimensions. You're taking down the wall of partition here. Does this explain why such a large majority of elderly people on high doses of pharmaceutical medications claim to be seeing things and hearing voices? That's a great point. These people, these elderly people that are on 15 to 20 meds, laying there in vegetative states in retirement homes, or wherever they're being taken care of, they see things, they hear voices? <laughs> it's no wonder. As the world continues to slide quickly downhill to a more decadent and evil state, one wonders if the massive increase in both illegal drugs as well as prescribed medication have anything to do with it. It seems pretty obvious to me that they both play a part in the increased violence in our society and the loss of morality we are witnessing on a grand scale. Has say, again, this all contributes to the degradation of society. Everything that we talked about last week and this week, it's just one more part of that. Has Satan's horde of demons been released from the pit of hell to inflict death and carnage on the world by possessing people's minds and bodies through the use of drugs? Many of the people responsible for brutal mass murders that have taken place over the last many years were on strong pharmaceutical drugs. Now, we're going to talk about that in a second. Many, and let me repeat that. Many of the people responsible for brutal mass murders that have taken place over the last 10 years were on strong pharmaceutical drugs. Depression and anti-depression medication seems to be one of the common denominators in all these cases. Let's talk about that further. Here's a study from the San Francisco Gate, February 1st, 2004. It was entitled Antidepressants Causing Suicides in Kids. Food and Drug Administration scientists who found that antidepressants may increase the risk of suicidal behavior in children has been prohibited from making its findings public. That's why we only read about it in the San Francisco Gate, because it was a little regional thing that happened. He wasn't even allowed to make his findings public. That seems fair to me. You know, let's just suppress it all. He was asked by who? The FDA. Who is owned by the FDA? Essentially, the pharmaceutical companies have bought and paid for the FDA. Okay? It's well known. He was asked by the FDA to write up a safety analysis about children taking antidepressants, Paxil, Effexor, and, other, and others after reports of high rates of suicidal behavior among children taking such drugs surfaced early in 2003. During his analysis, he reviewed... 20 clinical trials involving more than 4,000 children. So it wasn't like there was some little thing he was reviewing. 4,000 children and eight different antidepressants. In his written report, and according to the two FDA sources who have read the contents, he concluded that there was a definite link between children who took antidepressants and suicidal behavior. During his analysis, he reviewed 20 clinical trials involving Oh, I'm sorry, I just read that. After learning of this finding, the FDA informed the scientist that he would not be presenting his analysis, saying it was not finalized. That was their excuse, okay? But he would instead present reports received by the agencies from doctors and professionals. And I guarantee all those reports were positive. Okay. According to the 2003 study in the Archives of Pediatric and Adolescent Medicine, the use of antidepressants among children has more than tripled in recent years, and soon the use of these drugs will reach a- adult usage rates. The use of antidepressants more than tripled, and the suicide rates are going through the roof. I wonder why. I wonder if there's any correlation there. Here's the second thing. This article is entitled, Prozac Implicated in Oregon School Ch- Shooting. This is by Maureen Selaff of the Vigo Examiner, Springfield, Oregon. Before going on a wild shooting spree at his Springfield, Oregon high school that left two dead and 22 injured, Kip Kinkle had been 
attending anger management classes and was taking a prescription drug called Prozac. This particular drug is factored in almost all wild shooting sprees which have taken place in the last 10 years. This is where we get the term, yeah, I'm going to go postal. Because those postal workers that went nuts and crazy and started shooting up everybody in America, they were pretty much all on Prozac as far as I know. So again, but again, this is suppressed stuff. This isn't something the drug companies want you to know about. You know, They want you to think it's the wonder drug that works wonders. This particular drug is factored into all wild shooting sprees, which have taken place in the last 10 years. Eli Lilly of Indianapolis, Indiana, was recently sued over the homicidal tendencies this drug is alleged to induce in its patients. Eli Lilly is the one that produces Prozac. Eli Lilly is the one that the Bush family is heavily invested in as well. Prozac is commonly given to youth as a treatment for depression. In the book Prozac and Other Psychiatric Drugs, by Louis Opler, who's an MD and a PhD, the following side effects are listed for Prozac. Apathy. What is apathy? It means I don't care. I care less. If you're ap- apathetic, you wouldn't have near of a problem as killing somebody or killing yourself because you don't care. You're apathetic. Hallucinations. What does that tell you? It's opening you up to the demonic realm. You're seeing things. It's opening up your third eye. I mean, that's, that's you know, these are good signs to have. I mean, just kidding, sorry. And then hostility, irrational ideas, paranoid reactions, antisocial behavior, hysteria, and suicidal thoughts. Every single one of these are mental aberrations. Why would you take something that would give you so many mental problems and aberrations when that supposedly is the very thing you're taking it for? What are you taking it for? Well, I'm depressed. Well, here, we're going to give you this drug that's going to cause 20 or more worse things, like I said before, we went over this before. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're going to, you're not going to be depressed, but you're going to, you know, have suicidal thoughts and paranoid reactions and antisocial behavior and hysteria, suicidal thoughts, hostility, hallucinations. You know, it seems like a good trade-off to me. And then, though there are many demanding stricter gun control laws as the solution to the sudden increase in homicidal shootings, These events do not appear to be correlated to a sudden increase in firearm ownership. But when the percentage of these killers that are on Prozac is compared to the percentage of the general public on Prozac, a very disturbing pattern emerges. It appears that Prozac does indeed also drive into many homicidal behaviors. In other words, it's not gun control is not the problem here. It's the problem is, is all these people are being put upon these psychotropic meds that are that are opening themselves up to further and larger demons and it's driving them to these types of behaviors it's not the gun's fault when kip kinkle's home was investigated this is the kid that killed two people and injured 22 others he was on prozac when when his home was investigated several bombs that he had constructed were discovered with a ban on bombs already in place, he nevertheless managed to have several in his possession that he might well have taken to school instead of the guns. So the question arises, if the guns had been banned like the bombs, would the danger have been averted? The unmistakable answer is that it would not have. And the shootings correlating far more closely with the psychiatric drug Prozac, why is the public put in such great danger by its widespread use? See, we are put in danger... The general public is being put in danger by the use and the overprescription of all these psychotropic meds to all these people. They've got demonic problems that only Jesus Christ can solve is the bottom line. So they go to their psychiatrist and the psychiatrist, which is the most wicked faction of the medical community, because they try to, they, they try to correct problems that only can be corrected through Jesus Christ and his word. They, you cannot do it through a drug. You can't medicate somebody into good mental health. You can suppress certain demons, maybe with the drugs, but it opens the door for bigger ones. We're being put at risk in a great danger by the widespread prescription use of Prozac. It's been proven over and over again. All these homicidal shooting sprees with Prozac and other antipsychotropic drugs integrally related and connected to these. But no, 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 that's okay. They just need to keep prescribing them because evidently, you know, we're just going to overlook everything else. While efforts then, while these efforts are actually directed at something that shows no correlation, which is gun control. In fact, the absolute opposite is true regarding gun control. There's a, uh, a town in America called Kennesaw, Georgia. And I know I used to live probably 10 minutes away. 
when I was uh, going to chiropractic college up in uh, the Atlanta area, in Kennesaw, Georgia. Is they issued this, um, and I may not be 100% accurate about everything I'm saying, but they issued essentially some type of thing where they were highly recommending every single homeowner there to possess a gun. Do you know that the crime rate in Kennesaw, Georgia is next to nothing? Next to nothing. It is the lowest crime rate in the whole nation by far. Okay, why? Because the crooks might think a little bit twice about breaking into a home in Kennesaw, Georgia, if they know a firearm is inside. And there's not some gigantic, you know, um, problem in Kennesaw, Georgia, where kids are picking up guns and, 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 and killing themselves or, or things of this nature. It's not the gun's fault. Places where they disarm people. And I'm not talking about going out and killing everybody. I'm talking about, you know, people that actually... A society that actually can protect itself. Australia, England, where they have totally done away with guns, it is a proven fact that when they do away with with firearm possession, that the crime rates go through the roof. Why would that be? Because the crooks know everybody's been disarmed. Well, who's the one that are going to have the guns? The crooks. They're going to find some way to get them, just like this kid found some way to make bombs. That's the whole point I'm trying to make. I'm not going to go down that rabbit trail any further. The next article is, How Could Drug Companies Be So Evil? Uh, by Mercola, Dr. Mercola. He says, according to the first comprehensive scientific review to include the, in the available studies, including negative data that have long been withheld from the public scrutiny by the pharmaceutical industry, four popular antidepressants being used to treat thousands of depressed American children are unsafe, ineffective, or both. Those... So the antidepressants that were discussed in this uh, comprehensive scientific review were Paxil, Zoloft, Effexor, and Selexa. This is um, evidence of the drug company's patent disregard for the safety of humans and the focus on profits. GlaxoSmithKline was founded was found to be concealing evidence that shows that these drugs do not benefit children in any way and they only increase their risk of killing themselves. This was confirmed by an article in the Canadian Medical Journal. They only increase the risk of them killing themselves? That's, you know, this is insane. Fortunately, the uh, British medical journals are far more responsive than the American ones. The Lancet editor states, Research on antidepressants in children is marked by confusion, manipulation, and institutional failure. These are, I mean, this is what they're saying about themselves. This is, a, this is, I mean, the Lancet, which is part of the medical community, they're saying it about themselves, about this industry. Then he goes on to say, changes are required at every level of the global healthcare infrastructure. Changes are required. I mean, they, they better have change. Uh, then they go on to say, despite these findings, the FDA continues to support these worthless antidepressants by claiming the trials don't necessarily mean the drugs are ineffective. Data has also confirmed that that taking antidepressants weren't any better for for you than taking a placebo. Now, that's what they're saying. Just sit down and think about it for a moment. Drug companies do the research and learn that drugs don't work, yet are willing to sell them and market them to children, even when it is clear that they are causing many children to commit suicide. Unpublished studies of venlafaxine suggested the drug-induced suicide-related events, such as suicidal thoughts or attempts by 14 times compared to the placebo. That's just one. 14 times? Sure. What What do you think are implanting these thoughts? Do you think it's good angels? Or could it be demons? What would cause you to, to have suicidal tendencies? Is it the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven? No. It's demons. It's because you're opening gateways and doorways to these, these types of things. And at the same time, they're addictive. We were just talking on, on, on break here that people that get hooked on these drugs, you know, if you take them away, then they really start to freak out because it's as though the demons are not being fed anymore. It is as though when you're taking these drugs, you're feeding these inner demons and they're being appeased. And it's like that's how where you get your symptomatic relief from as well. It's crazy. This is, um, he goes on to say, this is reprehensible and despicable behavior equivalent to any third world dictator. Rather than, now this is an MD saying this, not me. Rather, and a lot of these things I'm quoting are from medical studies, so you can't say this is all biased, you know, from, from me. 
Rather than risking the potentially deadly side effects of these drugs, I recommend the following three steps. This is just something he's recommending for greater uh, mental well-being. Now, granted, we're body, soul, and spirit. Like I said, the Lord Jesus Christ is truly the only solution for these types of problems. But, if you're putting total junk into your body, don't expect your body to run right. You know, if you're putting... 52-octane fuel in your car, how can it run right? Okay? Like, my little girl, you know, at, at her Christian school, she looks around, and it's like, you know, all these kids are just putting total crap in their body. Everything they're eating is processed. Everything is is has just loaded with chemicals, artificial colors, artificial flavorings, artificial sweeteners. There's so many things they're doing to kill themselves, it's like they're digging their grave with their teeth. Okay? Every time they're eating all this junk food. Now, what does that produce? It can produce physical side effects. It can produce mental side effects. It can contribute to liver toxicity, candida and yeast formation in the body. All of these things make you feel bad. Okay? So then you go to the doctor and he says, wow, you've got mental problems. You need Prozac. And the reason you develop the mental problems may be because there were spiritual things, maybe because you're not being raised in a biblical environment, maybe because you're not turning to Lord Jesus Christ, it may be because you're putting total junk into your body every single meal. There are uh, what I'm trying to say is there's contributing factors to these things, okay? And one of the main contributing factors is the fact that they're trying to poison us through the food supply. This is one of the ways they're trying to implement the Georgia Guidestones, where we're, we're they're trying to reduce world population to 500 million which is a 90 to 95% reduction, over a 90% reduction in current world population. In order to do that, they're using a variety of different methods. Tainting the food supply, tainting the water supply, spraying chemtrails into the air, the vax vaccinations. They're doing all these different things in order to create a weak, sickly population because a weak, sickly population of sheep is very easy to control. Okay, that's the bottom line, and that's why I'm exposing this today. Dr. Mercola goes on to say that um, it's in regard to dealing with depression in children, first thing you do is you get them on an omega-3 fish oil, particularly one that's molecularly distilled. Now, I'm going to add that in because I deal with this a lot myself. Um, Nordic Naturals has a really good one. Uh, and See, your brain is mostly fat, and the type of fat that it is is an omega-3 fat called DHA. Okay, omega-3 fish oils have a very high level of DHA, but it's not something we get in our diet normally, particularly in America, unless you're eating a lot of, like, cold water fish. Okay, so DHA is the fat that our brain needs to run. It's amazing that when they do autopsies of people, like the diet, particularly of Alzheimer's and these types of brain-wasting diseases, their brain is like half the size of what it would normally be when they were like 20. I'm talking half the size. Where's it all gone? The fats have just been pulled right out of the brain. Okay, It's degenerated. So fats, the majority of your brain is fat. Okay, that's why you hear the term fathead. No, just kidding. Sorry, a little humor there. A little humor. Anyway, um, that's what our brains mostly are. DHA is the primary fat that our brain has to have to run properly. Okay, we don't, in America, they do this really cool thing. They've taken DHA out of the formulas so that the little kids aren't getting any unless they're getting breastfed by their mothers, which is the way God intended it to be, obviously. Okay, so unless if you're doing a baby formula in America, you're not getting any DHA whatsoever. Okay, you're going to have aberrant brain. Your, your brain is not going to be developing two potential without enough DHA. It's like a weak link in the chain. You're only as strong as the weakest link. Okay, It has a lot to do with intelligence, comprehension, these types of things. Again, they're trying to create a weak, sickly, dumbed-down population. And they're doing a really good job at it. Okay, So that's the first thing he recommends. Omega-3 fish oil. Get the kind that are molecularly distilled, like Nordic Naturals or one of those. They've even got some that are chewable. Like they flavor them with like uh, a natural orange flavor and the kids can chew them if they can't swallow. It's huge. It's a very big thing. The next thing, they should only drink water as their beverage. Filtered water, preferably. Okay, uh, Reverse osmosis, carbon filtration being a very good one. Because you want to make sure you're getting out the chloride, chlorine and the fluoride because those are things they're putting there to kill us too. Okay? 
They should drink water as their beverage. Taking care to avoid fruit juices, soda, and milk. Milk, the way that it's processed now, they pasteurize it. There's all kind of dead parasite carcasses in it. It's dirty. See, the reason they pasteurize it is because they can make dirty milk and they can still say, well, we killed everything in it. There's, and, then they, and then they've got all the hormones that they feed the cows and the antibiotics that they feed the cows so they don't get sick. That gets into the milk. It's death. It's death. The only type of milk that's really good is the way that God intended it to be. What is that? Well, what is breast milk? Well, it's raw, unpasteurized milk. I'm not saying drink breast milk from women, okay? But I'm saying that if you're going to drink milk or do dairy, I'm going to say you need to drink the unprocessed raw. Well, I can't get that in my area. You might not be able to because they've made it illegal in many places, particularly in the United States and around. But I'm saying that's the way God intended it to be, okay? It's not easy to find. But then you've got soda and juices. Well, why are they bad? Well, when you spike the body with carbohydrates like that's in a fruit juice, think about it. If you take, let's say, apple juice, okay? The apple, the way God put it here, has all the fiber and all this stuff with it. What we've done in our infinite wisdom is we've extracted the juice out of the apple, removed all the fiber so that when you take that juice into the body, yeah, it tastes really good, but it spikes the blood sugar up. There's no fiber to buffer that blood sugar spike. Then you get into this roller coaster blood sugar thing where you get, have a spike of energy and then you crash. What also does that do? It feeds candida and yeast infections in the body. Almost everybody walking around is loaded with candida and yeast. Okay, and I don't mean the candida infections you typically see in the female, you know, women commercial. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about systemic candida. It's in our bloodstreams. It's in our intestinal tracts. Almost everybody's walking around. We do have a certain amount of candida in the intestinal tracts. It should be there. But it should be balanced out with the good bacteria, the probiotics. The problem is in today's day and age, because of the overuse of antibiotics, the overuse of eating meats with antibiotics in it, we have killed off all the good bacteria in the intestinal tract. Now we have yeast running free throughout our body, into our bloodstreams. It's eating up the blood sugar. And, it, and the yeast, if it gets to a high enough level, will start making your nutritional choices for you. So if you're somebody that's eating or craving sugars and you can't get enough sweets, and you can't get enough this or that, and it's all carbohydrate-driven, noodles, pasta, bread, this all includes in that, well, chances are you got a systemic candida yeast infection. And the yeast is making your food choices for you. Okay, now I know I'm really getting off on rabbit trails today, but a lot of this is intricately related with this particular subject about brain function. If you get a high enough candida level in the bloodstream, it's eating up all your blood sugar. You can't think straight. What do you want to do? You crave more sugars. Uh, and then you create this big spike in the blood sugar again because whatever carbohydrates you're eating, there's nothing, there's no fiber in there to buffer that blood sugar effect. You feed the yeast. You stress the pancreas out because it's trying to produce insulin to keep up with all this blood sugar problem. It's a never-ending cycle, okay? If you have yeast, the best thing that I know of to eradicate yeast... Um, the best thing that I use is mild silver protein. I think that's the best for eradicating yeast in the bloodstream. Okay, sublingually, um, I have a whole website on this. It's dr-johnson.com. It's the, it's, the, it's the mild silver protein that I recommend. Um, colloidal silver, I, from what I've found, is the best to eradicate yeast. Another thing that you need to be on is a good probiotic, particularly one that's refrigerated. You can get that at most health food stores, these types of things. And then a good, what they call, food state multivitamin or mineral. Okay? Email me. I'll give you an example on that if, if you want to know. There's one called IntraKid that, that makes it easy. Okay? I'm trying to make things easy for people. Um, another thing that, you know, that he recommends is to restrict sugars and grains, which cause insulin levels to be elevated, particularly wheat grains. Rye is much better. Spelt is a better choice. Okay, but in, and the more unprocessed and the more toward organic you can get, the better. Okay, because most of the breads, the way they're processed, is not the bread that Jesus Christ ate. Okay, they've done away with all the B vitamins, all the E complex vitamins. They've taken all the good fats out, and they've stripped the bread down to nothing, and then they enrich it with synthetic vitamins. It's not the same bread that Jesus Christ ate. Okay, so these people that say bread is evil and it's it's the bane of all humanity, well, the kind of bread that we're getting in most health in most grocery stores is pretty bad. But it depends how you make it. It depends how it's made. And most people don't make their own bread. And I, you know, I don't even do that. But I try to do the best that I can do. 
So popping pills is rarely the answer to helping children suffering from depression. It is only a temporary band-aid. In order to truly help these children, we need to focus on finding the underlying cause of the problem and then search for it in ways to treat it. And again, most of the problems that we're encountering here is, is due to diet, and then we have the whole subject of vaccinations, okay? which is a whole other rabbit trail. I don't have time to go down today. But again, understand something. The pharmaceutical companies are the ones that are the ones making the vaccinations as well. You know, and they're putting all kind of just witchcraft potions into these vaccinations. They're growing them off things, they're, they're culturing vaccinations off things like green Reese's monkey kidneys. These are some ingredients that are in these vaccinations. They're, they're, they're um, culturing 13 different vaccinations off aborted babies. I'm not making this up. I'll, I even did my, my avian flu presentation up on the internet, on Google. Um, you can check that out. I give you the slide and I give you every vaccine they're growing, they're growing from aborted babies. And now, if that's not witchcraft, if that's not evil, I don't know what is. They're using like the, the um, chemicals that they put in antifreeze in the, in the vaccines. They're putting aluminum, which is what ca- one of the things main causes for Alzheimer's in the vaccines. They're doing all of this macabre. It's like a witch's brew that they're getting injected into them. So that's a whole other subject, but um, just something that I wanted to touch on. Going back to the article, it says, You're probably familiar with the recent tragedy where a mother from Houston drowned her five children in a bathtub. This was one of the most horrendous and heartbreaking stories that I have ever heard in my life. The children ranged from six months to seven years. This demonically possessed woman systematically took these children one by one and held their heads underwater until they were dead. Reuters ran a story on this tragedy and quoted the husband who said, I'm supportive of her because on the one hand, I know she killed our children, but on the other hand, I know that the woman who is here is not the woman who killed my children. In other words, she was taken over. Andrea Yates is just one of the many Americans suffering from what they call postpartum depression. Husband further elaborated, she had psychotic side effects with her depression that led her to this. She loved our kids and anybody who knew her knew that. Not surprisingly, after this terrible tragedy came out about Andrea Yates, they found out she was actually on a heavy-duty pharmacological cocktail mixture of antidepressant drugs. Imagine that. She drowned all her kids, her five kids. Can you imagine? Can you imagine holding your kids underwater until they're dead in a bathtub, one by one? I'm sorry. I I cannot relate to this. But then again, I'm not on this mind-altering pharmacological... You, You don't know what capabilities you have. You know, when you're, when you're put upon something like this. Now, I'm not saying that if you were forced to take this, God couldn't give you a sound mind. But I'm just saying, she wasn't for, she voluntarily took this stuff, killed all five of her kids. According to a recent story that appeared in Insight News, during a two-year period, Yates was prescribed four extremely potent, mind-altering drugs intended to help her through two episodes of sub- severe depression that began after birth of their fourth child. During Yates' first episode, she began to take Haldrol, Effexor, and Welbutrin. After the fifth child of her second episode, she was put on another round of drugs that consisted of Effexor and Remeron. The insight on the news story went on to further report Yates' husband has said that his wife was given Effexor at a dosage nearly twice the recommended maximum limit. Just days before the murder, Effexor was, for some reason, reduced to just slightly more than the recommended maximum dosage of 225, and the Remarin was added. So, see, just days before the murder, the Effexor was actually reduced. She was taking double the, the dose, now all of a sudden it was reduced. Well, the demons went nuts. She was absolutely, it would be like a crack addict having, you know, Four crack rocks a day and then having to go back to two in one day. They wouldn't like it. The demons that are associated with the pharmacia don't like that. Okay, they have to be fed. This is what we're doing. We're feeding them. And she went nuts. Now, let me tell you something about postpartum depression. The reason that this happens so much of the time is because of all the reasons that I just talked about. We're raised in a society where we're getting food that is calorie dense but nutritionally poor 
Okay, so you can get this food where you go and you eat a Big Mac and fries and all this other stuff. You're getting no nutritional value. You're getting a lot of calories. You're getting a lot of, of, of maybe protein, fat, and carbs. But you're not getting the micro minerals that trigger all the catalyst reactions in the body and that do, you know, perform a lot of different functions. Well, what happens when you have a baby is, is if you're already depleted to begin with, your body will sacrifice and rob Peter to pay Paul in order to make that baby. Your body, as a woman, will do anything, it'll sacrifice anything in order to make that baby and make it healthy. Okay? Even if you don't have what you normally should have as far as nutritional reserves like vitamins and minerals in your body, it'll still rob your body. So the reason women get postpartum depression, I believe primarily, is because they were already in a depleted state before they got pregnant. They had to somehow draw upon their limited reserves to make the baby, which is, think about it, a tremendous thing to do, make a baby. Then they come out on the other side, they have the baby, now they're way depleted. Now they're really in depression because they don't have these things that their brain needs to function properly. Okay? Now I'm not saying there's not a demonic component as well. But I'm saying just from a purely physical standpoint, I can see how it would happen. And this is why it's very important for a woman who gets pregnant to be on the proper nutritional things before, during, and after. Not only for the sake of the baby, but for the sake of herself as well. So she can be, you know, you know, she's going to be able to produce breast milk that's actually going to feed her baby um, and it's not going to deplete her okay this is vitally important stuff here but again you know in, as far as in christian circles goes this isn't thought of this isn't something that's ever usually considered but again we're body soul spirit if satan can get us at, in our body and make that become the weak link in our life i really don't care how on fire for the lord you want to be if you physically feel terrible, how can you really do a ton for the Lord? It just doesn't, you know, it's, it's all connected. So anyway, so if we go a little bit further here, um, actually no, I'm going to go ahead and stop here and we'll go to the second part of our study next. God bless you.